Hi, I'm Xavier McFarlane, and welcome to the Catholic City Podcast from the Mary Foundation. Today's episode features Gabe Kessler, president of the Cleveland Chapter of Young Catholic Professionals, or YCP. A graduate of Ave Maria University, where he lived in an intentional Catholic household, Gabe is a husband, a father, and a business development professional. He got involved with YCP as a way to give back and be connected to the community and ministry. We discuss his background and path into ministry. We discuss YCP, what it is, how it's structured, the human dynamics of social professional gatherings, Gabe's mindset on growth and his strategies to achieve it, the future of young adult ministry, and more. But first, if you want to learn more about Catholicism or are looking for materials to evangelize family, friends, and fellow parishioners, please visit the Mary Foundation at catholiccity.com to order our Catholic scapulars, books, booklets, medals, and best-selling novels by Bud McFarlane. Sign up for Bud's Catholic City Message, where he's been sharing profound insights, sage advice, and crazy stories for over 25 years. We are also the world's largest distributor of the Purple Scapular, given by Mary to the approved French mystic Marie-Julie Jehenny in the late 1800s. You can learn more at our website, catholiccity.com. Hi, Gabe. Thanks for coming in. We're here in the studio with me, Xavier McFarlane, your host, Anthony Mancini of CatholicYoungAdultGroups.org, and Gabe Kessler of YCP Cleveland. Gabe, can you tell us about yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Um, so I'm here, president of YCP Cleveland, um, born and raised kind of in this area. Uh, the only time I really left Northeast Ohio was uh, for college. Uh, I went to Ave Maria University down in uh, Catholic school down in Florida and uh, loved it down there, but uh, happy to be back. I like to say Northeast Ohio has always been uh, been good to my family. Uh, so Born and raised Catholic, and um, since I graduated college and got back here, was just looking for things to get involved with, and YCP was one of those things among some of the other young adult ministry activities in our diocese, uh, but I'm married, been married for almost three years now. Uh, I have a son who will be one December 20th, just before Christmas. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, just trying to love the Lord, live life, have fun at the same time. Yeah, so what... What called you personally to young adult ministry, Gabe, and, you know, before YCP and then eventually YCP? Yeah, I I think I've been, well, I know I've been uh, involved in ministry for a while. When I went to high school, um, I went to a non-denominational Christian school and we served uh, on the kind of the praise and worship team. So we did a lot of that for chapel, um, playing guitar, singing, kind of leading and, and ministering in that way. Um when I got to college at Ave Maria, I was involved with one of the households, and that kind of took a different uh, different form, basically, because uh, you're ministering to you know, your peers, uh, people around you. Um, so I got into a leadership role with one of the households there. I would, I would call that more of kind of my start in the young adult ministry because uh, I was placed in a role where working with other guys, other men uh, in the household, uh, we had... You know, a common goal in mind, obviously, our spirituality and growing together as men uh, in particularly authenticity and intentionality. Um, but, you know, how can we lead the group and make sure that we're doing things together that help us grow close together so that we can do that and support each other in that way? Um, and so that was kind of my first foray into, I, I kind of consider that young adult ministry. Um, and then when I graduated, got to Cleveland and started working um I was starting to look for organizations to get involved with, and uh, YCP was kind of at the top of my list. And so I reached out, and kind of the rest is history. 
Was there really anything else at the time other than YCP, or did they were they the top of the heap, or were they the only option? So at the time when I got involved, which was a little over two years ago, um, I think it was the only thing that I really knew of. Uh, I know now that there were other groups out there, uh, but at the time I kind of heard about the organization. It's it's been around. Um, they have chapters across the country since I think 2010. Um, it started in Dallas, Texas. And so the chapter in Cleveland had been around since 2016, so it was something that was kind of established. Um, I'd heard about from some other uh, friends and colleagues and things like that. And um, in my particular role in business development and sales, it was kind of important to be out meeting people. So there's kind of a, a networking focus to some of the events. So it just all kind of came together, right? My faith was coming together with a group that focused on, you know, witnessing to your faith in the workplace, uh, which is critical uh, for all of us. Um, and then I pair that with being able to meet people, like-minded individuals, and hopefully, you know, network with those people, build friendships with those people. Um, if we did business, so be it. But, you know, uh, for me, it was more about just finding those like-minded individuals. And at the time, that was the organization that I was aware of that did that. Sure. So how did you find yourself in the position of president? You know, only two years in, it seems like something that you just you'd have to work toward, and perhaps you have, but it seems like you really excelled right off the bat. <laughs> um, I I did kind of jump right into it, and it was a lot of circumstances coming together. Um, and I like to think that you know when a lot of coincidences occur, sometimes that's the Lord just putting you in a position, you know that that he wants you to be in. Not a coincidence uh, at all. Not yeah. a coincidence at all, no. So when I got involved, I had attended two or three events. They do them monthly and saw that they were looking for people to volunteer and join the leadership team. So I was like, oh, great. Like, I'd love this. I was thinking back to that time on the leadership team with my household at Ave Maria. And it just seemed like a very kind of natural extension of that. And so I reached out to the guys on the leadership team, said, hey, I'm interested. Uh, I think this role would be good. They have kind of predefined roles. And um, the way it worked out at the time, the person who was president had just moved. So the spot was open. And just after my conversations with the people on the Cleveland chapter and a couple of conversations with people from the national staff, they said, well, would you think about like, you know, just jump right as president? Wow. <laughs> I was like, I, I can think about it. And so just took some time to pray on it. Um, Talk to my wife about it because it's a time commitment and something that, you know, would take – we get to go to the events together, but there's meetings and other things that would kind of take me out of the home for, you know, a couple hours after work here and there um, and just determine that, you know, it was – there was a time to do it. This was a good time, um, which now that I have a, an almost one-year-old, I can echo that <laughs> that was the time uh, when I had some more time in my hands. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of how it – all those things just kind of worked – together. So I guess a two-part question. Um, first, what does it look like for you as president? Like what are, or I'll flip it. What is it that you would say is the primary ministry of YCP, Young Catholic Professionals? And then what is your role in making that happen? Yeah. So the, the primary ministry is, um, in a sentence, working in witness for Christ. And they do they minister to people in that way by uh, the events, the gatherings, the functions that they put on are 
bringing together like-minded Catholic professionals to, you know, one show that we're not alone. There are lots of other Catholics out there. Um, uh, in the social aspect, that's a little bit of what it does. Um, but in the speakers that we bring in and the panels and the retreats that we do, it's it's really about emphasizing that evangelization and living our Catholic faith is not a um, pop below the water when you walk in the office and pop your, your head up maybe at lunch when you listen to a podcast or when you're on your way home and then start evangelizing. Uh, it's, you know, that call at the end of Mass, go proclaim the gospel with your lives, um, live it out all the time. And so that's that's really the primary um, ministry. Uh, and then my role in that is building and, and managing kind of the leadership team uh, we have at any time. Right now, I think we have seven or eight people on the team. Uh, it's constantly growing and changing. And people have different roles, whether it's more of an operations or a logistics role, marketing and technology, um, evangelization and outreach. There's lots of different things. And so it's making sure that though we have different roles, we're all keeping that common ministry in mind. And how do all those roles work together to you know, help minister to the existing members and expand our reach to hopefully bring more people uh, into the church uh, or if they're already in the church, deeper in their relationship um, with Christ. Uh, so on the leadership management, it's a lot of kind of that type of thing. Uh, but I also work heavily with um, you know our board members and um, working with connections to find those speakers uh, that we have. Once a quarter, we bring in a speaker. and So that's one of the other things that falls on me is... Um, really working with with everybody that we know and the Catholic connections in the city to try to bring people together. Yeah. yeah um, if we could just take a step back from an organizational point of view of how the organization of YCP national on down to the particular city um, is structured. Because I think, you know, a lot of people know about YCP. It's kind of the OG young adult ministry, you know. <laughs> uh, but it's kind of a mystery as to how they operate, I would imagine, and especially for our listeners here who are young adult leaders, and you know, maybe they can take some nuggets of information on how that's structured and, and apply it to their own. Yeah, so I guess from from that operational standpoint, uh, I mentioned that it started in 2010 in Dallas, and um, as they began, as they found success in Dallas, and they started to expand out to first nearby cities, and then they went, you know, out to to other big cities. Um, they really emphasized, okay, let's develop um, this curriculum, if you will, um, this structure for how to put on events, right? What what should you keep in mind? What should be the general layout and timeline um, all the way down to like what physical things should you have there, you know? Uh, and so they developed what you could almost call like a pseudo franchise model so that when a new chapter is launched in a, in a new city, they have the national staff available to be able to coach those people that are launching a chapter for the first time. You know, what are the key key ingredients? Um, and then as the chapter's launching, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? Uh, you know that every year you're going to have four happy hours, four speaker series, two retreats, and two panels. Uh, that's That's the recipe. How we structure those, if we do them all in a row. We can do that, alternate, you know, that's kind of up to the individual chapter, but uh, they really provided this, this structure, which again, they kind of call like a pseudo franchise so that you're not going in, you know, completely dry with no idea what to do. 
you have these other chapters, you have these national staff and this kind of curriculum that's in place for that works and has continued to work across. Um, I think they're, they're over 30, maybe close to 40 chapters now. Um, oh, a couple were added recently, right? Yeah. They just launched three, I think Charlotte, Charlotte, um, DC and central Connecticut launched last okay. week. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's big, you know, big areas to, to have Catholic and at all groups. Uh, but I can reach out to them and you know, what success what are you doing that's working? They can reach out to me. Uh, so it just provides a lot of, um, I don't know, reciprocity, if we will, the ability to share knowledge, um, so that, you know, we can really kind of hit the ground running. Sure. What was, um, what were some of like the best insights you got <clears throat> that you saw in this model from like this recipe you were given that weren't necessarily intuitive or were like so obvious that you didn't think about them until like, oh, we should have like coffee so people can have coffee, like things like that, that might seem small, but if you have an event with people and you want them to come and have a good time and learn something and like, what are some of the nuggets there? Yeah, I, there's, gosh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> we, we just had actually, there's a recent one um, where we did one of our, our happy hours uh, at a venue that was not a bar. And we were in this small meeting room with, you know, your typical, I don't know, four or five foot round tables. You know, you could fit six or eight chairs there. And we had about six of those, 30 people or so, all sitting around these tables. Uh, and it went really well. I'd say it was, it was a successful event. And um, somebody made the comment after the event to me uh, and some follow-up that, you know, hey, what that event was really missing was um, bar height tables. I was like, oh, I'm like, expand on that. And basically they said, well, it was good. We got to meet new people. We got to sit down and go deep into conversations. But what happened was it was an hour and a half, two hour long event and people sat down and then they only sat at that table. Mm. So, which is fine. People, personality-wise, some people like to just sit at a table and talk with someone for, you know, that time. But they said for a social event, if you want people to be constantly moving around and meeting new people and trying to meet everybody that's there, you know, keeping people standing, maybe a couple seated height, you know, tables, uh, but keep people standing so they can kind of maneuver around the space. And that was something that I just, you know, we never thought about you know, as a focus of it, uh, of an event. And so for those kind of more social um, networking type of events, um, it's just a nugget that, I don't know, maybe somebody takes that away as they're doing social events. We're like, okay, yeah, we need to keep people moving. And it, it, I think it speaks to a deeper truth of our social beings that we just need to be constantly in motion. Um, I think that helps. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's one. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any others that jump out as, as more impactful. Um Xavier, to, to clarify your question for Gabe, are you saying uh, little nuggets of information that weren't necessarily intuitive or so simple from the coaching he received? Yeah, from yeah. The like, so for level, somebody out yeah. there trying to like figure it out on their own, there's things that are obvious, like you know, have beverages for a social event, sure. whether it's you know alcohol or not, or food, or like have somewhere for people to sit. But maybe there was like kind of a structural thing. You're like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that without a lot of trial and error. Mm. You know, I, I don't know about a, a struct. Well, one of the structural things that we found out over the last two years um, that, you know, they emphasized, you know, start at this time a lot, 20 to 30 minutes for this, 45 minutes for a talk, 15 for QNIT. We had all that structure in place. Um, but one of the logistical things that through trial and error we found out just helped the overall vibe 
and flow of the events, right? The, the experience you have when you come was quite simply the size of the space. Uh, it was if we had an event with 20 people, but we're in a room that has 50 chairs, it, it doesn't feel like there's many people there. But if we're in a room uh, for 20 people and it's split up into, you know, four tables of five and every seat's full, it, it just, it feels a little bit more exciting. You're in a smaller space. Maybe there's music going. That was something we didn't add for like a year and a half, two hours was just welcome music as people were walking in. And as soon as we did it, we started getting comments. I was like, oh, that was really nice. You know, it was really nice to add it to our experience felt more welcoming. And I mean, those were just two little things, just the size of the space and the music and things like that, that it, it wasn't in the structure of, hey, do this. Um, but it's it's helped and we've gotten feedback on it that that it did help. <clears throat> I'm curious about this myself. Um, as far as uh, fundraising goes, is there a fundraising element to this? And if there is, I'm sure you have a big hand in it as the president of the organization. Yeah, so... As at, far as like allocation of resources, right. it doesn't have to be funds necessarily, but... Yep. The The primary way that uh, each YCP chapter gets uh, gets their funding is from a senior executive board of established professionals in the city that meet with us once a quarter and um, they provide the primary funding for um, the events that we put on and um, most of the speakers we have, if they're local, um, kind of volunteer their time uh, to speak to us. But there's the occasion where we bring in a speaker from outside and there's there's an honorarium or we, you know, we'll cover travel expenses. And some of those, what we'll do is from a fundraising standpoint, we'll reach out to capital organizations that we're aware of that might either want them to that speaker to speak at one of their events. And so they will, you know, um, help front some of the costs, something like that. Sure. Um, or even have a table at the events uh, and help us out and sponsor in that way. So it's the combination of those two things. Um, a very, very generous board that we're really blessed to have. Um, but just kind of also maintaining good relationships with Catholic organizations or businesses run by Catholic CEOs, COOs, whatever it may be, um, that are willing to jump in when we need to, uh, sure. to help with some of those things. And that's totally your bailiwick, I would say. Yeah. 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 A lot of, you know, talk about bringing in speakers and, um, it's, it's working with that board. It's working with those organizations and, you know, just building relationships. We're all trying to do the same or similar things and, uh, as we evangelize. So, yeah. Well, Hey Xavier, I, um, uh, have a thought about the the space point that he made you know like we um have varying amounts of people coming to grapevine mm -hmm. we have a lot of rooms at our disposal every thursday maybe we can change it up a little bit just to make it depending on how many people show up of course it would be ad hoc on the fly but that was just a thought i had with um how to apply that principle to our ministry you know yeah, I remember. I forget who wrote it. I, w I read a book on like Christian hospitality once, and maybe ironically, we don't necessarily associate the word hospitality with the hospitality industry. Like um, that would be like the fancy word for people who work in hotels or event centers and stuff. But there's a science to that, mm -hmm. and like what kind of music? How, probably even like beats per minute, and like is it per percussion or instrumental? And I'm sure a lot of those elements are really helpful for planning events for people. Like you could probably find playlists on Spotify, like a professional business soundtrack for networking <laughs> mind waves. 
which is probably a little extreme. No, it exists. I guarantee it. But like, I know we we play music sometimes before and after our grapevine meetings, and I think it makes a big difference in terms of atmosphere. It's kind of like if you walk get to like a house party early or something or a dinner party, and they haven't like set up yet, and there's not there's not any background music, and you're just sitting on a couch like <laughs> making your own music. Yeah, <laughs> awkward. But then somebody starts playing music, and like, oh, I'm allowed to talk to people now, or have yeah. a conversation, or you don't. The silences and pauses don't feel awkward if you're not comfortable with something. Right. Right. Well, I think that's something that, you know, as hopefully some of the other young leaders can kind of relate to this as they listen, but you love to see when you have um, called an event, called a gathering, whatever it may be, uh, you love to see when the, I'll call it like the formal, quote unquote, formal portion concludes. Uh, you love to see people hanging out and talking afterwards. I mean, that's, to me, that's just, if there's one way to say, okay, this was a successful event. People had a good time with the people they they met here. That's an easy way to gauge it. Uh, and if you think about, you know, maybe with with the guys' ministry with Grapevine, uh, and we relate to it to a YCP event as well. Um, if there's maybe not that outro music as people trickle out. It gets quieter. It gets quieter. Maybe initially there's lots of talking. There's lots of noise, and so it's you're very kind of invited to talk. But then all of a sudden maybe there's five or less people, and they go, oh, we'll ever be left. So maybe maybe it's time. I should just leave now. Yeah. Uh, but with that music, with that background noise, um, maybe you don't notice all this. You look up 20 minutes later and you realize, oh, man, we're like the only people here. But I don't mind because I just had a great conversation with someone. That's you know? a really good point. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And we, we see that in our uh, – on a weekly basis, it's almost like sometimes we got to kick people out. Hey, we're going to the next place. <laughs> and our signal is we shut the lights off on everybody. Well, usually half the lights. <laughs> occasionally, <laughs> occasionally, safety concern aside, yeah. we do the whole lights for like a second. But usually, it depends on who's left. Like, yeah. it's a, like it's a theater and the curtain's about to <laughs> pull, mm-hmm. flash the lights slowly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like if it's Rodrigo, I'll leave him in the dark. Yeah. yeah. I, I have been to an event one time where there's a social gathering first. Uh, it's not a young adult Catholic event. It was um, kind of a secular event, but... They, they have this social gathering and when it's time to like go to the – find your seats and whatever, they have a mini xylophone. And the person just walks through the, the room and is just like, do-do-do-do, do-do-do. And she just does that. And if people are moving, she'll walk like right up to that group of three people that's not moving and do it again. That's it's, very it's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very subtle way to just be like, hey, get, sit down. <laughs> yeah, right. Need to get a zucchini. <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's valuable information, at least for us. So I guess that's a good segue, too, because um, I think one of the things that makes YCP unique is that professional side. It's in the name. Um, like a lot of young adult groups are, are people getting together for prayer and learning their faith and social life, but not necessarily with kind of a specification. So how do you, one... I'll, I'll ask this first. How do you balance sort of that professional f- formation in in faith, but in this context with just kind of the regular social human connection side of any young adult event? Yeah, I think it's it's critical to have that balance, um, but to understand that e- each group has their own particular focus, you know. And so YCP, yes, we have that professional focus, and some of the events are. A little bit more networking focused uh, and whatnot, but we we've been trying really hard, especially recently, to no matter the events, um, 
always allow a good chunk of time for socializing beforehand because if you're coming alone or you haven't been in a while, um, it helps to at least have had some time to talk to somebody that you just met uh, before the speaker comes on uh, or whatever that may be. Um, I think it's interesting with YCP because that professional element, I think, sometimes can be a bit of a turnoff for some people. Uh, and I think it's more the formality of it as opposed to professional because we're all we're all professionals. We're all working, right? Um, so that focus that we talked about earlier, that working in witness for Christ and, and you know, being open and willing and ready to evangelize 24-7 is, is really important. But, you know, the way I see it is our, you know, your, your occupation can overlap with your casual life. You're not some, you shouldn't be, I should say, you shouldn't be somebody different when you're at work versus when you're at home. Um, yeah, maybe you act a little bit more professional. You know, you're probably not going to greet a business prospect, um, you know, for the first time with like a, hey man, what's up? And then you dap them up uh, and stuff like you might do at a, a young adult event. Uh, so there's little nuances there, but for the most part, I mean, we're like, we're the same person, right? And so there, if you think of like a Venn diagram, I mean, when you mix the social with the professional, there's a crossover there. Um, and I like to think we, we do our best to kind of live in that sphere so we can attract people from both sides, um, mm -hmm. of that spectrum and just reach as many people as we can. What's some of the fruit you see uh, your members getting? Like, what, what do they get out of YCP? I think the best, or I should say, the times that I feel like, okay, yes, we, you know, that was a, a successful event, uh, are the times when you know, I'm having a follow-up conversation with someone, whether it's one of our volunteers uh, or there was a new member that I've we've reached out to, you know, just to say thank you for coming, what'd you think? Or I see somebody maybe the next month and ask them what they thought of the speaker. Um, it, it's it's when there's it's when they take away little nuggets. Like we were just talking earlier about, you know, what are what are some nuggets we've learned after two years, but you know, what are those little those nuggets of wisdom? that, you know, you can take away from an event. Um, so I mentioned, like, we bring in speakers. If, I mean, if every person there could take away one thing that just impacts them in a deep way that really, like, speaks to their heart and where they're at in their walk with Christ right now, that's great. You know, that's that's what we're we're there for. And, you know, I we've had conversations with people where that's, you know, that's the case. Um, and that's, that's really great to hear. Um, if it's one of the more social events, you know, one of the happy hours, um, it's it's just, I, hey, I met somebody new. You know, I met somebody that, you know, I've never met another Catholic, you know, RN or engineer or whatever it may be. Um, it's, it's those little interactions, those things that happen that make me feel like, okay, like our members, our, the people that are attending our events and functions, um, they're getting something out of it. So you have um, a variety of events to cater to any need that uh, somebody who attends a YCP event might have. Um, <clears throat> and I'm sure that that's very similar across the board at any YCP in any city, right? Um, but 
for Cleveland specifically and you specifically, is there a stigma you feel that maybe YCP is too businessy or something like that? And then I guess um, to make the question more complex, um, so you, you try to balance this uh, professional life with the casual life. And do you ever feel pressured to have maybe a more uh, business professional sort of gathering or event as opposed to a casual one because you feel you've been, you know, emphasizing the casual too much? Or is there, um, you know, how you fit in the grander scheme of all the other ministries in Cleveland? Is there sort of niche that you want to fill? Or I don't want to say like a competitive element to it. I, I really don't think there's much of that with you. You're very confident what you what you guys are offering. But um, is there certain like, okay, Grapevine did this event this day. A um, couple weeks from now, we can't have a similar event. We have to have more, you know, something else. Sure. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think to kind of, to the first part, uh, you're asked about the stigma. I think uh, the short answer is, is yes. Um, we've heard that comment from many people, um, you know, that, you know, well, YCP is the word professional. Uh, and like I said, I think it being a little bit more formal is maybe more of the turnoff sometimes, but mm-hmm. to have talked to people who are like, well, you know, if you're like a business owner or a doctor or salesperson, you know, that's, you know, YCP is kind of here for, for those people. Um, and so I think that's, that's a stigma that we kind of, um, we're constantly working to have a better overlap of that social and professional aspect because, you know, I think we do have a good, we have a strong sense of community among, um, the, those that consistently attend the events. And I think people, um, as we get better and better at that, feel that more and more as they, they come to, to our events. Um, but I, I mean, I always bring it back that same aspect of it, right? We all have a career in occupation or vocation. Um, for some of us, those overlap a lot more than others maybe, but we're all called, like I said, to, to evangelize 24 seven. And so I think, when we do have those events, um, you know, maybe maybe you don't want to attend like, you know, a quote unquote, a networking happy hour uh, and that's not your thing. That's fine. You know, if you're not in a sales or a business role, that might not appeal to you as much. You can still go and, and meet people and hang out. Right. But, you know, particularly when we have our speaker, our executive speaker series, uh, I think the topics that we cover are, are really valuable information for anybody to hear. Uh, I think anybody can pull some good good nuggets from those conversations. Uh, so to kind of, I guess, summarize <clears throat> in a way, you structure your events with maybe a stigma in mind and how the market, in this case, perceives the ministry. So if you're getting a lot of flack saying, you know, people saying, oh, it's, you know, I'm turned off by this event that's called a specific thing, even though they've never been or whatever. You're aware of that and you might say, okay, well, maybe we'll just here and there. But it's all in line with the mission. It's not like you're chasing a certain market right. necessarily. It's like you do your thing and then whoever comes, it's it's more than enough. And you're, you're filling a need and Christ is putting those people before you and giving you an opportunity to evangelize them, that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, as the way I see it, you know, we'd love to, we'd love to grow and continue to grow uh, and depends on the people we reach, but it's, it's really, I think that's an important thing that I think we all, all leaders probably can relate to at some point getting, 
a little bit too focused on um, quantity rather than quality and yeah. what's happening, you know? Um, so we try to, you want to grow for the right reasons, right? You want to grow because you want to reach more people, but we need to be open to, you know, God's will for all of our, our groups uh, that if we're doing what he's calling us to do, um, he's going to get the people there that need to be there yeah. and need to meet somebody or hear something from the speaker or get something out of the retreat, whatever the event may be. Uh, I think it's very humble because, you know, there's a lot of leaders out there, I would imagine, who are really determining the se- success of their ministry based on the numbers they get. Yeah. You know. Or at least tempted to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I can <clears throat> think back to just a really – a time that was super evident. Um, going back to that ministry I was in in college, the household down at Ave, where I think my freshman year when I joined, we had a huge class of guys join the household, join the uh, – for those that aren't familiar with the household, I should add – um, anybody that is familiar with Franciscan and Ave probably are, but other people maybe not so much. Uh, think of it as like a Catholic fraternity, right? Uh, without all the negative connotation of those things. Um, based around each one is based around a single charism that everybody is like, yes, that is a, a active way that I live my faith out in my life. Um, so let's get together with uh, with those individuals and uh, let's let's make it happen. You know, so um, I joined my freshman year. And I, we be quickly became like the biggest household on campus. There's like eight or 10 of us that joined. There were, it was like 25 or 30 in the household. It were huge. It was great. Uh, and then over the next like year and a half or two, uh, for various reasons, we had a couple guys that, that left, either left the university or left the household. We had a large class of seniors graduate. And then all of a sudden there were like eight of us. Um, and... Of those eight, four of us were the the volunteer, like the leaders, the elected mm-hmm. leaders of the household. And so I remember calling up one of the guys who had uh, kind of led things before me. And that was the advice that he gave me. Uh, so he was like, well, pray about it. And if you're doing, if you guys are doing the best that you know how to do, then it might just be that, you know, we've fulfilled you know, God's calling for this group for the time. Um, and we need to be able to be at peace with that, you know? And that that's a very extreme example of like, we were like, oh my gosh, like, is, is the house just going to like go away? Like what's what's going on? Uh, it didn't. It's still going strong, um, happy to say. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess just to share that story as, as an example of, of where that can go and kind of my first experience with that line of thinking of just, you know, we, we just need to be open to Wherever the Lord takes us, takes our group, um, at any time. That's so. that's that's a direct parallel. I like that a lot. Yeah. To sort of go in the literal opposite connotation, it I you guys have seen growth locally, right? Right. Yeah. How's that been? It's a good thing, I think. In your case, like I don't think it's one of those you just grew for growth's sake, and is not the danger we were literally just talking about five seconds ago. Um. But what do you think led to that growth? Like, what did you do or what did you see in your team or the people who attend that were part of that? Because we're also called to try to do the best we can to reach more people. Right, right. I, I think it's um, I think it's the product of of a good team that's, that's committed to the mission, um, of constant learning. Um, you know, those couple nuggets I mentioned earlier about just event experience and, and whatnot. Um, and, and never 
forgetting the basics of, you know, when you have an event, don't be too focused on the logistics and keep in mind that, you know, people want to be engaged with, you know, uh, if you see somebody, I tell this to our, our leadership team all the time, like, if you see someone you haven't seen before, go talk to them, you know, um, having somebody, you, you guys do this really well with Grapevine. Um, I've seen it, we've had meetings and stuff at the same time where, you know, a couple of you guys, even in the middle of winter are standing outside, like welcoming people in, like directing people where to go. Like, that's awesome. And, and that just starts it because for somebody who the first time they're there, maybe they've never been to the church it's at. I mean, that goes a long way. That's a great first impression, right? And so it's, it's those little things that as we came out of COVID, you know, the Cleveland chapter I mentioned, I think started in 2016. So they were probably averaging like 50 people or so for like speaker series, maybe more depending on the speaker, if it's somebody that uh, topic that people really wanted to hear or speaker people really wanted to, uh, were really familiar with. And like out of COVID, it was more like, you know, 20. And we're up around 30 now, the last couple of events. So it's it's been slow growth, but good, um, really developing that, that core group. And I think it's just, it's all those little things of constantly working to improve uh, the overlap of the social aspects so that people have a really good event experience. With that, what we're kind of calling professional aspects of, you know, learning something from the speaker or meeting somebody that you wouldn't have otherwise met. Uh, so, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think the leadership goes a long way. Like that carries some weight, especially if you're, um, you know, you for a leader to go up to a new person and welcome them carries a little bit more weight than somebody who's just... Um, you know, a, a people person, but a guest. It's like people can kind of see that subliminally, I think, you know, because they're in a somewhat of a place of prominence. So to direct your leadership team to do that, we've tried to do that, um, I think goes a long way. Huge. Um, <clears throat> did you have something to add about that topic? So I wanted to um, touch on, you know, and this is specific to Cleveland in my mind, but um, – I think it can apply to other dioceses around the country and whoever might be listening to this could get some insights. Um, so YCP is, is a really well-established ministry with a clear goal in mind. There's, it's, it's long established, I already said established, but you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, roots there and a lot of, um, it's been tried and tested in some cities. Uh, YCP is really the only major ministry that exists. But if we're in, just take Cleveland for an example, there's tons of ministries, you know, 40 plus. And YCP has been there uh, probably one of the longest. Um, how, does, how can YCP help the other groups in the area? Um, what are some kind of um, ways that we can all work together for the common goal of bringing people into the church, young adults specifically? Yeah, yeah I think... We all, we're super blessed in Cleveland that there's so much young adult Catholic activity. Um, it's, it's crazy what you can do. Um, I think we're all doing a similar thing. Um, every group, even the groups that maybe do the same thing, um, meet every week and, and have topics that they cover. There's a couple of groups that do that. Um, but each of those groups kind of has their own flavor, their own vibe. So even, even, there. It's a similar thing, but they're still unique. 
Um, you know, and YCP does something that's different than Grapevine. It's different from Sully from Theology on Tap and things like that, right? But we're all filling this this niche of young adults who are out of college, right? And maybe maybe your college had maybe you went to a Catholic college and there is distinct campus ministry. Maybe it was a secular institution and there were focus missionaries or a Newman Center, you know, or the diocese had a, a campus minister or something like that. Um, we are we're, we're basically bridging a gap, right? Until you age out of being a young adult, at which point. Most of us, not all of us, but most people will probably have a more established career, um, probably be married with some kids. Um, again, not everybody, but most people. Uh, at which point, you know, that kind of becomes your primary calling and vocation, right? Your family. It, it always was if you're married, right? But um, especially as your family grows. So I think one of the ways that we we work together is as we meet new people, especially as maybe new people move to Cleveland uh, or come back into the church and get involved, it's, you know, discovering what they want to do, like what's driving them to get involved with a group and helping them find the group that fits that best. Um, not that you can't attend multiple groups, certainly. Um, there's there's enough that you could probably do something every night of the week if you wanted to you um, could. Yeah. With, with Catholic young adults here. Um, but if you know, if I feel very strongly, this person like really needs some of that social uh, aspect of the faith in those conversations, you know, ask them like, okay, well, where do you live? Okay, well, did you know that, you know, you're in liquid? You heard a grapevine, you know, you're in Parma, you heard of Catching Fire, right? Uh, and all those groups. And, you know, like I said, you, you mentioned, um, you know, it's it's not competition. It's not. Um, it's we, we look at it as a blessing. And how can we share that with as many people as possible? You know, uh, so I think YCP is in a in a unique position that it's it's got the name recognition, it's got the structure. You know, if somebody comes here out of state, they're more likely to know YCP than their local young adult group. You know, so it's very applicable to you and your leadership team when somebody new comes in and you have that conversation with them, trying to find out where they fit, fit best fit. So I see that on a surface level, you know, um, is there any way you think, um, maybe in the past, some things that you believe, um, worked, um, when ministries collaborated, right? Like I know we've had extensive conversations in the past and we've met in a more formal setting, you know, me representing Grapevine and you representing young Catholic professionals, um, <clears throat> is there anything that we might have done in the past that you would have liked to, or that you think worked, number one, and two, something that maybe we started or um, that you'd like to see kind of expanded on? Any suggestions maybe from your own mind that we haven't tried? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that, we can, that we've done in the past that we can should certainly be doing more of is um, – kind of that reciprocity of we have a speaker coming in, right? Um, maybe it's somebody people know, maybe it's not. If it's not, provide some information on it. But reaching out to all of the young adult groups, you know, not just the ones that are maybe in the city we're going, but reach out to all of them and, you know, have a more distinct personal invitation. Um, again, coming from a place of we have this speaker or we or this person's going to be talking about this topic. We think it's it's really great, you know, uh, do you guys want to bring a table or two of people, you know, um, so that they can hear this person talk? Um, 
collaborate at the event in that way. At our events, uh, one of the things that we tend to do, sometimes with young adult groups, sometimes it's with organizations, like we have a, a 1260, AM 1260, The Rock is a Catholic radio station. We have a Catholic credit union. You know, we've invited them to set up a table at our events so that people can kind of mingle and, and get some um, more information about, you know, I think most young mm-hmm. adults probably didn't know there was a Catholic credit union in Ohio, but there is. Um, little little plug there. What, what are they called? Ohio Catholic Federal Credit Union. Okay. They're the one we walked by that one time where we're like, oh, there's a Catholic <laughs> credit they? union. Is that their name? It said yeah. it on the sign. We're like, we didn't. I didn't know that was a thing. Are yeah. they are they based in Lakewood? Uh, I don't know where they're based. They have an office there at least. Yeah. Okay, uh, but uh, but yeah. So like, there's it's it's and that just it gets visibility to people because again, like like to your point about YCP being um, a little bit more recognized, it, it's one of the benefits, right? For young people as we're moving around, if somebody moves from Chicago and they don't know anybody in Cleveland, but they are involved with the YCP chapter in Chicago, I, I would think one of the first things they do is, oh, is there a YCP chapter in Cleveland? Great. Go to the events. There's a sense of familiarity there. And then it gives them the opportunity when they're there to see these other young adult groups, right? And go, oh my gosh, there's a lot that I can get involved with. Um, you know, the speaker's great, but I'd love to meet with people on a weekly basis. Um, so it, it gives the other groups, you know, some exposure to to get some people um but it also just having us all at the same event i mean whether it's a ycb event whether it's a diocesan event whatever it is um it strengthens i think our sense of community in a broader sense um across the diocese i agree i think um you know the the having representation at a ycp event is is a thing unto itself but for a grapevine to purely uh advertise an event on our you know newsletter or something like that and have all the other groups doing it too really brings home that sense of community that we have diocesan wide right and you guys have unique events that other groups like ours and catching fire and others can't do just because of resources available or mission or what have you so yeah um is there anything else that you think we've Perhaps something that we've done that we just didn't follow through with or, you know, something unique to Cleveland. You know, I think unique to Cleveland is just quite simply our diocesan office, right? Our bishop and the people there in the young adult ministry office that just have such a passion for, for young adult ministry. They're so supportive of us, um, not, not to be long-winded, but I, I remember a story about one of our bishops going to a, a one of the bishops' conferences and saying that he was almost like embarrassed to share everything that we were doing young adult-wise and Eucharistic revival-wise uh, because other dioceses just weren't doing that much. Mm. Um, and so that's just a really amazing thing for me, uh, blessed to feel blessed to be a young adult in our diocese in 2023. Um and other than that, I just think it's open. It's open conversation, you know, making sure that, you know, for those out there listening that maybe aren't in Cleveland, um, you know, find find the other groups, um, find the other leaders, bounce ideas off each other. Um, one of the biggest things I think for us here, uh, and it's it's changed over the years, but there was a group of just the leaders that got together monthly uh, and talked and shared ideas uh, about what's been going on. So not that you have to start a formal group, uh, but you know, find another leader, grab a beer with them or a coffee once a month, just talk, hang out, 
uh, learn from each other. And um, I think the more they, you guys all that are listening do that, the more that we do that here in Cleveland, um, the better off everybody's going to be. And you know how you can find other groups and other leaders of those groups? Go to bars. No. <laughs> CatholicYoungAdultGroups.org. Yeah, shameless plug time. Uh, this is the CatholicYoungAdultGroups.org episode of the podcast. So if this is the first time you're listening, you never heard of us, maybe your grandma sent this to you. I don't know how people get this. Um, check it out, CatholicYoungAdultGroups.org. It's like MassTimes.org, but for young adult groups. We have a map directory of the entire United States. It's actually national, but it's a little harder to find them because we speak English and not all the other languages of the world very well. <laughs> um, there's over 1,200 listed groups in the United States. We have some in every state, most major cities. If you're a leader in one of those, check out that map at CatholicYoungAdultGroups.org and find a group near you. Go you know, meet their leaders, see how they do things, maybe collaborate, and see what happens. If you're you know, solo out there, I think one of the nicest things about it is you can know you're not alone. You know, There's people doing this all over the country. We're all on the same mission, and it's kind of odd in that it's all the same and it's all different. Like every place is unique and has different people, but there's so many universal principles that are just out there waiting to be learned if you're new or you want to start a group or whatnot. So end of shameless plug. Nice. Well, I think just uh, shameless plug 1.25 or whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> you know, even it's, to extend on that, even if there's not a group in your area, if you're the only one in Boise, Idaho, whatever it is, uh, we're in an age where, um, you know, video calls like it's, it's just it's normal so don't be afraid to reach out to somebody that is not local and just set up some time to talk to them i'm sure anybody in the directory would be happy to talk so yeah. and if they're near you go to a bar that's, that's right <laughs> so i think um this is a really good um segue uh from what we were talking about how things are going really well right now you know and we we have something to tout, and I think a lot of other dioceses do as well. Uh, it should be talked about. It should be celebrated, um, the cohesion we have. Um, but what's a mystery, at least it is in my heart, is how this is all going to look in 10 years. You know, we, we talk often about succession, but I'm, I'm looking at more of a 10,000-foot view, and then we can shrink it down to 5,000 feet, uh, focusing on YCP specifically. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on, one, you know, where are we headed? What's the trajectory of young adult ministry in Cleveland? And then specific to YCP, where do you see YCP in 10 years? Yeah. In, in Cleveland, gosh, I mean, it, it really, like you said, it really is kind of a mystery. It's hard to, it's it hard is. to predict. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I, I honestly think in Cleveland, I mean, everything's going so well, but I still feel like we've we've barely scratched the surface uh and the reason i i say that is because i still it's as well as like young adult ministry in cleveland has done i'm sure we could all like if the three of us right now just sat down and started making a list of people that we knew we'd interacted throughout our lives that um were raised catholic but fell away uh maybe didn't fully fall away but they're just you know, maybe they're Christmas, Easter Catholics, right? Um, and people that are not Catholic or have a bad opinion of thought, like any of those things, right? In ways our ministry can 
bring people into the church uh, or for people that maybe had misconceptions about the church, get rid of those misconceptions, clear those up. Uh, we could probably fill multiple notebooks with names, right? I mean... Each one of us. Each one of us, probably. Yeah. Right. So when I say barely scratch the surface, I think I think there's an evangelization, evangelization aspect of our ministry in Cleveland that um, is, is doing fine. It's doing well, uh, but could still grow exponentially. Uh, you can look up on Wikipedia, right, the number of Catholics in the diocese. And I remember a night... It was maybe two years ago, maybe a year ago, where there were two major events going on at one time, and there was ninety to hundred people at each one. I was like, oh, oh, that's yeah. great! You know, two hundred people. Like, yeah. the fact that they I were on the same that. night was kind of a blunder. That was a mistake, but <laughs> but there were still two hundred young adults out at these Catholic events. Like, it was great. It was awesome to see. But I think, I think that's the side of it that I would hope in ten years at least um, we can do much more of that. Yeah, the harvest is great, as somebody once said. Yeah, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, quoting Jesus without saying it. Like you know, people be like, "Oh, so and so said this," or like Gandhi, or you know, I don't know, Jordan Peterson, whoever you might listen to. But then just like throw in a Jesus thing, and they're like, "Where's that? Oh, that was Jesus." Yeah, like, or just quote the Bible, and you know, yeah. which I mean is quoting Jesus. But there's there's other books that you can. Pull verses out of them. Like, oh yeah. It also helps that I, I haven't really done a good job of remembering which verse is which. Like they're bouncing around in there, mm-hmm. so this way I don't have to be like chapter three, verse sixteen. That's right. Well, he's the default quote maker. He doesn't need a citation. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Um. On the note of barely scratching the surface, we ran some numbers. Um. I think they're pretty statistically sound. Because I use I use data from the diocese, I used Pew data, and then I used our own internal data from the uh, Catholic Young Adult Groups database. And our guess is that it's one third of one percent of baptized Catholics in the age range, which the USCCB defines as eighteen to thirty nine. So one third of one percent participate in some way in a young adult group. Now that includes everybody baptized. So a lot of those people might be falling away or are not practicing. That's barely anything, though. And then if you sort of subdivide that into practicing, defined loosely as like going to church regularly or receiving the sacraments, um, we put our loose estimate at the Cleveland Diocese just using basic demographic data. So don't I don't know if this would like meet the statistical criteria for perfection, but I think it's pretty ballpark accurate. Um, we put it at like 10,000 per sort of side of Cleveland, because Cleveland has three sides, you know. So like 30,000 people in the age range of reasonably practicing Catholic, 18 to 39. And even with 30, 40-odd young adult groups, if we just call it 30 for easy math, 30 to 30,000, there's not a 1,000 young adults at each of these groups. So I think we have... Maybe in total. Like the sky's the limit. Right, right. And it's just a lot of... Like there's 170 different parishes in Cleveland, I think, around that. I think a lot of young adults just don't know it's a thing because they're at their home parish. Maybe it's in the country or in a suburb where there just isn't much going on in in the young adult realm, and they just don't know. Yeah. They don't think of it as (laughs) – 
as a viable means of socialization. Right. There's there's almost a stigma yeah. of like the church kids, you know, if you remember that growing up, like oh like there was the, the yeah. youth ministry kids who Absolutely. were they were kinda like the socially awkward ones and it's an unfortunate stigma because it's just simply not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm huge into board games and I mean, you could say the same thing about like the board game community where yeah, uh, right. like people just might, you know, if you're not familiar with it, it might seem kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, but if you actually give it a shot, like it's it's really cool. Um, yeah. Speaking of board games, um, <laughs> there's this sense that I have and I don't have any statistical data to back this up or anything, but um, chess is getting big, man. Is it? Yeah. Um, huge presence on, on YouTube. And, you know, I know recently I kind of fell away from watching so many videos, other things going on, but I, I have a passion for chess. I, it's, I'm a novice player. I really like um, strategy, that component of it. Uh, but it is definitely a free time activity for me. It's not something I take ultra seriously. But I have noticed, you know, there <clears throat> people, there's a, for the um, the uh, World Chess Championship, you know, a lot of people follow that. There's a lot of people, um, you know, doing the synopsis afterward. Um, there's, you know, famous YouTubers that get into chess matches, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm bringing this up because somehow this thing that most people would consider nerdy or, you know, something that only a select few people do of this particular persuasion um, are starting to rediscover it and say, wow, this is cool. This is something I want to at least spend some time doing. I think that we can take a page out of their book. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly what page that is. Page seven. <laughs> there you go, page seven. <clears throat> but yeah, just something, there's there's other different communities out there that have done a successful job of reviving themselves with in spite of a stigma. So I think that's something to strive for for us. And I think it only happen. We, we can only discover it together. You know, we, we got to pool our resources and our minds, our brains. <laughs> and Our minds and our brains. <laughs> yeah. Pool them. It's important to have yeah. both of those uh, active at the same time, you know. <laughs> and, and just discover, you know, different things that we can try. Right, right. You know? So. Yeah, I think um, – I lost my train of thought. Oh, well. Well, yeah, I mean, that's something I like to harp on, especially if you've been listening to this series. I say this a lot, but it's just getting it into the cultural zeitgeist of Catholicism that when we say things like they're almost hackneyed cliches at this point, like you'll see something that'll say like gather for community and fellowship and they're good words and they have good meaning. And like, that was the early church, like gather together, break bread, labor together, live in community. And just the shift of modern culture in the world over the last 200 years has been so fast, especially the last 50 with the internet and technology and just the shifts of culture overall. It's like, we're rediscovering that people actually live in community and it's really strange because it's like you know you, you could go the biological evolutionary route and just say for 20,000 years or even if you're a young earth creationist 5,000 years or whatever it is now that's a long time where people lived in groups of like 150 to 250 right and even in like an older city 
through to like the 1800s, you still might just kind of know the people on your street and your neighborhood block. Because like the telephone wasn't even really a thing to like the 40s. Maybe a little earlier, but that's not that long. And it's just weird that we don't live that way. But we can. We can live that way. And like that's what we're doing. And it seems almost strange, at least for my mind growing up, it was like I never saw the parish as somewhere you can go hang out with people. Or like the the Catholic faith is be, being, even for something like YCP, which might be like a layer above that of like a fraternal organization, but like not just fraternal, um, maybe like Knights of Columbus level where that's like a, an interaction in a specific way. Right. But like we can actually do that. Like we're allowed to do that and it's a thing that happens and it's, it's real. Like it's not just this ghost of the past. Well, I would say we should do that mm-hmm. wired that way, you know. Not only can we, but we should, you know, bring that back. Yeah. I think to hopefully weave a couple things together. Hopefully this makes this all comes together in the end and makes sense. But it's something the social aspect of being, you know, in community uh, has become super prevalent post COVID because everyone was forced to stay home. Uh, and we saw the, you know, sociological mental effects of that, um, you know, depression and anxiety, all that skyrocketed, right? Um, so I think. Culture as a whole, something where community was really emphasized, I think, um, I think probably in, in Christian circles, I'll say before that, society as a whole has kind of jumped on that, right? Organizations, businesses understand it, that there's, it's, it's important for your people coming in the office to feel a strong sense of culture, right? And like that's, that's something that's just talked about more, which is, which is good. To go back in time briefly, right? When YCP started in Dallas about a little over 10 years ago, I mean, it was the only thing at that time. It was one of the reasons it came about. I mean, young adults felt, and I've heard this straight from the founder of YCP, felt that lapse, right? We graduated college. We're at the parish. And at my parish, um, there's the mom's group and the dad's group. Uh, you know, there's there's Knights of Columbus. There's the old guys that get together all the time. Um, but there is nothing for us, right? And so that's kind of where where it came in. And if you think about that being the case 10 or 20 years ago, then all the people that grew up and were exposed to that, uh, when they graduate college and get home and there's just nothing there, they're not engaging with the church in community in a meaningful way. Um, If they're going to masquerade, that's extremely meaningful. That's one of the most meaningful things we can do, right, on the daily or weekly. Um, But if you think about the people you shared, Xavier, you shared the statistics about – Catholics, whether they're non-practicing or whatnot in the diocese, uh, there's there's got to be an extreme number. I've talked to a few people who who have this process, thought process myself um, in our diocese who probably aren't listed as Catholic anymore because they you know found a different Christian denominational church, whatever that denomination may be, and they felt this really strong sense of community there, and so they kind of made that decision. Uh, and the question that I'd like to ask some of these people, because I know a couple who are really involved with um, the different ministries at that church now that they've gone to, uh, is, you know, quite simply, like, were you involved at your Catholic church? You know, did you, and if there wasn't a, a Bible study or something like that going on, did you offer to like start one? Did you ask a couple people, you know, is there two or three people who want to get together? And for some people, that answer might be yes, and we just didn't find it, and that's fine. But I think there's a, a what I would 
again, I don't have any statistical data to back this up. I think there's a good percentage of young adults who've left the Catholic Church, have gone to another denomination, um, and the reason was that they didn't they didn't sense that community. Um, and it very well may have been that it just wasn't there and they weren't the type of person to start it, which is fine. We're not all called to, God doesn't call us all to like lead groups and, and whatnot. But uh, I don't know, just a, a thought as, as you guys were talking, you know, I think that's plays into the evangelization focus of what we're all doing. Oh, that's a good point. Cleveland. That's a really good point. <clears throat> Cause you know, not everybody's a leader in, in the sense that they're willing to start one of these groups or some sort of fellowship opportunity in their, in their church, be Catholic or otherwise. Um, but I think enlightening some people to the fact that they can, you know, they don't need some, you know, in some cases you do need permission, but not in all. Right. Um, I, I just agree with that sentiment that, you know, nobody ever tried or it wasn't available for them if they're not that type of person to start something. But I, I had another question for you. Um, and it's, it's really based in our, our experience or my experience. Um, I was, I tried my hand at some ecumenical work with uh, cho- uh, a church uh, up the road from where we are right now, um, Protestant church, um, but filled with life. You know, they had these service opportunities that we would kind of latch on to because we had a lot of manpower, a lot of people willing to come help with this initiative, and they needed the help, you know. So I, you know, we set up this thing, uh, did it a couple times. It was like a, a food um, you know, people would pull up and we'd give them a bag of food kind of thing. And, um, I was curious about this church and seeing like how they do things in the young adult sphere after I heard that they have a young adult ministry of sorts. And I went to that and, you know, it was few people just doing a Bible study and that was, that was fine. Um, you know, and then eventually it kind of fell off just doing other things, but I'd be curious to see how they're doing one, uh, since I've been there last. And seeing if maybe they can come to my ministry, you know, and, and in a sense, like, there's no reason why we can't collaborate, you know, ultimately I'd hope they'd come to our side permanently. But, um, my question to you is, have you guys, uh, ever done ecumenical work hmm. in any way, you know, organizations for the purpose of getting something done like a service project? Yeah. I, I think with the exception of, you know, maybe personally inviting Friends or family that's not Catholic or, or Catholic have fallen away. I'm not sure we have. Uh, we've we've done some service projects, but it's been with um, you know, like hunger centers or Habitats for Humanity and things like that. So not some of them are are Catholic organizations, some of them aren't. Um, but no, I don't I don't think we we really have um, done anything quite like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be interesting to see. I, I'd love to hear uh, if if you do invite them to attend grapevine at some point. Uh, you know, if anybody, if anybody goes, there's a, a guy I met recently who's Orthodox and, um, he's dating a girl now who is non-denominational and a lot of non-denominational Christian churches have, uh, a second service on like Wednesday or Thursday night. I think usually it's Wednesday night. Um, that's a little bit more like praise and worship focused. Um, good thing to do. Think like the XLTs and stuff like that, that we do in the diocese on occasion. Uh, and he was going to that for the first time and he'd never been to anything like that. And it, it was an interesting conversation with him, like just how that goes. And I love to follow up with him and see like, 
you know, it, did his girlfriend go to the Orthodox um, right. service or, or mass with him? Um, so, yeah, I don't know, it's just a little story that sure. came to mind. <laughs> sure, yeah, maybe that's a, a thing we could strive for in the future. Yeah, so we're, we're running on an hour here. So as we like to do at the end, ask you sort of two flavors of big question. The first being, if you could go back in time to when you first started, what would be the biggest thing you wish you knew that you could tell yourself now? Mm. Um, pray more about your ministry, you know, and the position God's put you in. Um, you know, whether that's praying before you have a gathering or a function with your team um, or individual, just... Um, it's something it's you know our spiritual lives are it's it's a road it's a journey it's it's up and down um but uh yeah i just i look back and you know there's lots of like logistical little things that we've learned over the time but i def, like there's no way i would ever have regretted like just just praying more leading up to meetings events gatherings follow up whatever it may be so yeah yeah i think that's wise i definitely feel it myself the sort of draw of um, probably acedia. So like the noonday devil, when you're doing your duties and you just kind of the worldliness creeps in and it's only focused on just the logistics and the, where are the people and are the doors unlocked and mm -hmm. do we have this lined up and forgetting that ultimately this is an endeavor of all of us striving toward holiness. Yeah. And I think that's a, a big way to fight against like burnout too, where you're just getting tired of the daily tasks, but the big mission that this is an act of love with God and it like can inflame your soul and life. Definitely good advice there. Second question, kind of the same question, but flipped. What's the worst mistake you've made so far in the two years you've been doing this? Oh my gosh. Wish you could avoid. Probably just that the times that, we didn't have like concrete follow-up with new people or um, we're just slow, you know, let something slip through the cracks when we knew we had an event. I, you know, it's, I feel weird after my answer, <laughs> the last question coming back to something that's a little bit more logistical. Um, but I think over those two years, if, if you look at the times in the ministry that we, uh, I'll put in this in terms of like had a lot of momentum versus didn't have a lot of momentum. The times that we were losing momentum and kind of saw the the expanse of our ministry kind of dip were were those times where we let those small things but critical things slip through the cracks. Um, you know, whether that was missing some follow up or um, not getting good communications out about an event um, in a timely manner, whatever it may be, there are things that we need that we need to be like, right. Like I just was talking about praying constantly for our ministry. Um, but we still need to be doing those little things. Uh, and so those little things you said, you know, the biggest mistake, I think it's there, there were times where those couple little things just compiled at the same time. Um, and that just, it just adds stress and anxiety to it, you know? Um, and, you know, those emotions just give way for, you know, the enemy to tempt us in, in other ways. So, yeah. All right. Any, any final thoughts all around from the table? I don't know. You know, it was funny. 
we had notes here, right? But Xavier would like say the ask the general question, and you would answer all of them in like a thirty second response. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there was that one moment where we were like paused for a second, is because you like answered every single question. Oh, it was <laughs> yeah. not uh, not intentionally. Uh, yeah, you just sorry. I didn't you know mean what to you're talking you about, on. man. No, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, yeah. You know, it's an organic conversation. I think that's the best way. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to just be like Q&A. Right, right. <clears throat> Call yeah, and the, response. The real bread and butter is like picking apart uh, what you told us and like expanding on that one idea. So Right. Well, like we, I mean, it's been, a, I think, a constant theme or constant thread throughout our conversation today um, is those, those nuggets of wisdom, those yeah. things that we've learned. So... You know, if if a couple listeners take something away that really helps them in their ministry, then yeah. time That's well spent. The goal. That's the goal. Yeah. yeah. And lastly, um, how do people get in touch? Like, if they're in the Cleveland area or they're just curious about how you do what you do, um, how can they find you? Yeah, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Um, Instagram and Facebook are both uh, just at YCP Cleveland's. Uh, you can search it. I mean, it should come up. There's um, ycpcleveland.org. LinkedIn, I think, is just YCP Cleveland chapter. Uh, and all the contact information is in there. I mean, if you message the profile um, on Instagram Messenger or LinkedIn, um, we'll get back to you in a timely way. Um, it'll probably be me or one of the others responding. But uh, yeah, that's... And it, if anybody is in a city that's not Cleveland, do the same thing. Search YCP Denver, Chicago, one of the three that just launched. Um, yeah. All right. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being here. And thank you to everyone who's listening, especially all the way to the end. Uh, God bless. Have a great day. That's all, folks. We hope you were inspired by this podcast and we encourage you to share it on social media and warmly invite you to distribute our Catholic scapulars, medals, books, and booklets to your family, friends, parish, and social groups. Visit us online at catholiccity.com for more information. The real work of the Mary Foundation is accomplished by people just like you. There are three ways to help. First, Please pray for everyone who hears, reads, or wears our materials. Second, share them with everyone you know, family, friends, fellow parishioners, and the people you work with. Only you can reach them. Finally, please help us financially. It seems impossible, but we don't do traditional fundraising here at the Mary Foundation. We rely on your generosity and God's providence. By the way, if you, your parish, or your Catholic group would like to distribute our materials by the dozens, hundreds, or even thousands, all we ask for is help covering our materials costs. So please visit us online for suggested donations. For our Canadian friends and those outside the United States, only online requests are accepted, so please refer to the special shipping rates listed on our website. Thanks for listening, and we're looking forward to working with you. May God bless you always. And now, here's a short preview of our Rosary and Divine Mercy Chaplet, the most popular rosary according in the history of the world. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. For an increase in the virtues of faith, hope, and charity. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without permission is prohibited.